This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Durant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> you're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go again. So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Ennis Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Ennis Cantor, and you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of DailyThunder.com, also Almighty Baller Radio. You can listen to us on Dash Radio on Saturday afternoons. Thank you so much for joining us on this Memorial Day weekend. Happy Memorial Day to all the veterans out there in the current armed forces. We appreciate you guys. Hope you can take some time to spend with your families and your loved ones and just kick back and relax and know that you are appreciated. Uh, before we get started on our conversation with Michelle Barra of Chartside, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Chicken Express. This month at Chicken Express, you can walk in with 20 bucks and you can get 15 tenders, 8 bone-in, and 10 biscuits or rolls for 20 bucks. That feeds a lot of people. That can feed you a lot of times. It reheats well. My wife tells me that, that it reheats very well. So go check out Chicken Express today. There's locations in Yukon, there's some in Edmond, a lot in Dallas, some across Oklahoma City. So go check out Chicken Express today. And here's our conversation with, with Michelle Barra from Chartside. He's also working with TheRinger.com, so if you guys will take a minute to go check out The Ringer. They provided a lot of information to The Ringer on their draft content. So really, really cool stuff from Michelle and his crew so it runs about 45 minutes. We talk all about the draft, tons of prospects, and on to it. And today, my good friend Michelle Barra comes to us to talk NBA draft. Michelle, how are you? Great. What about you? Oh, I'm doing awesome. I'm doing great. I love the draft. I'm pretending that the finals don't exist and pretending <laughs> that all we have left is the NBA draft. So in my strange world, things are great. Uh, the last time we talked, we talked about 21, and we had, like, this love session for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, sure. And a after that, Donovan Mitchell, he's risen to 12. I think I mostly blame you because you said so many good things about Donovan <laughs> Mitchell that uh, I think that all the I think all the NBA GMs heard that. And so now he's, I think he's at 12 uh, for Draft Express, and, I mean, he's up there in the lottery now. Um, there are a few other guys that we discussed. Um, I've talked about Luke Kennard. He's also rising up draft boards. But So now we're left at 21 with it doesn't feel like it's like the, we, don't, we don't have like the greatest choices in the world. There's a few guys that I've latched onto that I think would be really good. Derek White, somebody that you turned me on to um, in the show that we did a few weeks ago. Completely falling in love with this guy as a prospect. I think he can play. Um, but if it were you, who are the guys that you're considering at 21? Well, that's an, an interesting question. I mean, uh, we we love Donovan Mitchell because of his positional uh, versatility. Mm -hmm. uh, he could play like the one and the two. And I don't think that besides Kennard, there's any guy at 21 that I would take. Um, I like Derek White a lot. I'm not sure if it's okay to draft him at 21. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sold yet. Um, I would have bought uh, like a second, a second round pick for him. Sure, uh, maybe a very late first rounder, like the 29th or the 30th. Like trade back. Uh, yeah, if you can do that, sure. I'm not sure if in this draft there's many people that want to give you an extra pick, even a second rounder. Right. For and it would have to be a future. It would have to be like swapping. 21 and 28 with the Lakers and then get like a future second rounder with the Lakers. Right. Like, so I think that would, yeah. that would maybe be the thing that makes the most sense. Yeah. But I mean, uh, in, uh, on draft night, maybe, uh, if, uh, all your prospects are gone, but I will hold to 21 and try to, to trade up, uh, in some sense. I'm not sure if Ennis, uh, will get you there, but maybe some other prospect. I mean, I don't think that there's anyone besides Russ, and maybe Steven, uh, uh, that is like 
bound to be in OKC next year. Mm -hmm. So if anyone calls for, uh, so I don't know, Jonathan Grant, maybe, why not? I mean, they can make it restricted and pay him or keep him one year extra at one million. He's, he's a good athlete. He can, he can be maybe a player that someone needs. So I'm not sure. I, I would like to keep 21 and maybe try to move forward in the draft. Uh, um, because moving back and trading for a guy that is almost 20, 24 years old, it's kind of scary. Almost I'm 23, sure right? He, yeah, almost 23, sorry. Um, I'm sure he will be like uh, a good backup, maybe from year one. Mm -hmm. But in the position that OKC um, has, like roster-wise, I would try to, to be like more, uh, taking more risk, like be a, more of a gambler in this draft. And so uh, I would try to, 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 to reach for a potential star. Uh, and there are a few prospects. I mean, Harry Giles is a player that really in the last few weeks intrigues me a lot. Yeah. I, I, I know that the feed with OKC is terrible and probably he will not help in any way next year, but if your best beat is not there, then you have to go to uh, a player that can be something more. That's the usual player you get at 21. Yeah, and Giles could be there at 21. You, you'd think that, I mean, the, tr the Trailblazers have so many picks in this draft. Do you think that they're going to use one on a guy I, like that? Um, sure. I, I think that uh, it's hard to see him past 20, but if for some reason, like uh, maybe they like um, Justin Patton more, for example, mm -hmm. and if, if it's there, I think that OKC needs to take a hard look at him um, because it's a, it's a very risky pick, but he can be like special. He was like the highest to the prospect like one year ago. Yes, he had injuries. Uh, I, I know it's scary. It's scary, but I mean, uh, if if um, players that you need are not there, then you have to think about it. I mean, I like also Kuroks, but we already uh, discussed him like uh, plenty last time. So I would consider him, and I would try not to stash him because for a player that played like uh, on a level, low level uh, competition, it's better to to bring them over soon. Um, for example, like uh, Janis was in the second Greek league, mm -hmm. like basically no competition at all. Uh, Milwaukee br brought them over uh, like immediately, and he had the opportunity to develop in um, NBA level from day one. And since we have like the, this roster spot, like uh, 16 and 17, uh, that can be used uh, for players like that, like jump up and down from the D league, mm -hmm. maybe for a guy like Kuroks, I would try to do the same. Yeah, and he, I mean, he would for sure play for the Blue probably almost all of next year, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, probably so. Uh, he's very, like, rough in terms of uh, good basketball competition. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Harry Giles. You mentioned Kurex. Uh Who else are you considering at 21? Because, I mean, a lot of people are intrigued with Terrence Ferguson. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, Jonathan John is a guy that's gotten a lot of attention recently. He's seven foot two with a seven six wingspan, but he's super duper skinny. Uh, who else intrigues you at that spot? I mean, I think that uh, Jean Jean, as many many people <laughs> uh, call him, uh, is a very interesting guy. Um, I think that the presence of Rudy Gobert in the NBA somehow is. Uh, rising the, the like the draft position of Jean a, a bit yeah, because he, he even like looks like Rudy Gobert it's, it's <laughs> yeah. very weird a bit um, and he can shoot the ball like mm -hmm. uh, he showed like touch but to be like when, when Gobert was in the draft I mean he's uh, he was really really skinny uh, like like Jean and like to to build up that kind of uh, body in two years is not easy so if you don't build that kind of frame, you can be either Rudy Gobert or Salah Mejuri. Right. And do you want to, to take Salah Mejuri at 21? Uh, I don't think so. So you, you really have to, to, to believe in his uh, commitment, uh, his work ethic. And I mean, we don't have any information on the, uh, on the interviews. So yeah, it is interesting for sure. And if the, like the, the profile, like the work ethic is okay. 
you may want to take a flyer. Yeah, or he could be C.R. Sine, who played for the Sonics, and I think he was on the Thunder for maybe one season, uh, Yeah, who was super skinny. I mean, he could literally reach his hand up and like, grab – he could reach his hand up and dunk it without having to jump. He was so long and, like, just, like, this crazy – freak of a human being because his arms were so long and he was so tall but he just could not play basketball um, yeah jean i think is a, is in a better place because he played in professional league in france already okay. so he played against grown-ups and uh, in a like good team and so like the same competition that uh, tilikina played against so okay. i mean it's not that that like he he doesn't know about basketball at all mm-hmm. um so that is a little bit, um, say, I think that uh, can play in favor of, of his position for sure. Okay, so there's a bunch of power forwards and centers in kind of the area that the Thunder are picking, and that kind of scares me a little bit. Like, I, I really yeah. don't want them to take a power forward or a center. But there's Hartenstein, there's TJ Leaf, there's Tyler Lydon, or is it Lydon or Lydon? Do you know? Uh, I think it's a it's a ladder, but I, okay. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I think it's Leiden too. Uh, DJ Wilson, Ivan Rab, do any of those guys interest you for the Thunder? Because the Thunder may be in a position where they might need a where they could need a big, um, but I don't know if I don't know if I like any of those guys. Yeah, I, I mean, TJ Leaf is a versatile power forward with scoring instinct. And he he can be like a good overall prospect. Um, and he's an athlete I, too. Yeah, yeah, I think he's a fine prospect to draft at 21. So if uh, like all your other options are gone, or and you don't want to risk too much, I think that DJ Leaf has an NBA career. Like he he's really really gifted in terms of uh, um, scoring and scoring in all three level. Like uh, he has a good touch. So I mean, yes, uh, he's a nice pick. Um, do I think that he moves the needles? Like. Next year, no, yeah. for sure. Uh, and so, yeah, if you if you want to take a guy that doesn't uh, help immediately, then I think you have to 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 to, to find some someone that have an higher ceiling than uh, TJ Leaf, in my opinion. But he's a nice prospect, and I I foresee him to be a rotational player in the future for sure. Yeah. Uh, so earlier in the pod, you mentioned that you would take a little bit more risk and that you would try to trade up who are the guys that you would target uh, that you think would fit well with the thunder or could be potential stars well uh, i think that everything everything starts with og uh in some draft boards like for example in uh drafted passes at 13 mm-hmm. and i think that there you can maybe uh, try to talk like either detroit uh charlotte or the kings into like taking assets and your pick mm-hmm. to give you that that one, and so if it's there, uh, if he's there, then he he's I, I would take him like yeah. immediately because of the upside. I'm like the the difference between OG Anunobi and a guy like uh, Andre Robertson or any other like only defensive guy is thin, really thin, but he can be like. Different. Uh, if he can, ma- if he can make a jump shot like from the corner, and his like his form is not so bad, then he's a really incredible prospect. And the other guy, as I told you last time, it's Frank Ntilikina. I think if we can get them, if we can get him uh, to play alongside Russ, he's a hard-nosed defender. He can shoot the ball. I think he's the perfect type of backup point guard that OKC needs uh, to complement Russ and to run second unit. And, and as I said for Jean Jean, he played already one year as a point guard in a professional league in Europe. Yes, the level is not the same, the athletical level is not the same, but he, he knows how to play basketball. He's not like Terence Ferguson, uh, who, yeah. who played like in a very low level league without any knowledge of like defense in space, offense in space. And so Tilkina is a different kind of prospect. Do you think that he'll be ready to play, or do you think that he will bounce up and down from the blue, or do you think that he's ready to come in and kind of be a backup and then play a little bit of two? What do you think? I think that you have to play him. Uh, like players that has like professional background in Europe, 
are sort of ready to play immediately. You saw with uh, Alex. Uh, Alex was like more experienced than, than Frank, for sure. But those kind of guy actually knows how to play, how where to position, uh, where to be on the floor, like on offense and defense. And so if you give him like from the beginning five to ten minutes, and you see what happens, I think that he can play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you don't have to play for the title next year. Uh, and if you trust so high, if you can reach so high, then you have to develop him right away with the with the grown-ups, not in the, the league. You have to play him against like bigger point guard. You you need to test him on defense, and you need him to let him fly from the beginning. Like the guy can shoot, and so you have to to like force him to shoot immediately. And yes, maybe the first three months will be like 25% from three. Yes. So what? Uh, I mean, he he should like really well from three this year. I even have the, I think I have the percentage here, um, somewhere in our database. Maybe later I'll I'll tell you the, the exact number. But I mean, I think he can play like from the beginning, and he should play from the beginning. Mm-hmm. What well, people, I think the counterpoint to that would be, he is so far behind Russ's timeline that what's the point? What is your, what's what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, but that applies to half of our roster. Sure. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's true. People, but it's just a continuous point that people want to make. And he's 19. Um, I mean, he's almost 10 years younger than Russell Westbrook. Um, I just, I guess my own, my biggest concern with him is that he won't be ready to contribute to like a playoff roster until Russ has passed his prime. Uh, I may be more high uh, on him than you. Uh, I think. Look, I mean, Alex played in the playoff last in playoff um, games last year, and he provides some shooting. Yeah, and it was his first year. Mm-hmm. Yes, he wasn't like the the, the best guard uh, by any means, but he could play. Uh, and I I think that in one or two years span. Frank could play. Like, Steven, uh, his first year was uh, 22, 21, maybe, maybe 20. I don't remember the, his first season when he came into the NBA. It was 2013, so it was 20. He was yeah, 20. 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he played. Like, he played from the beginning. That's true. He, he got punched in the face by uh, Zach Randolph. <laughs> Zach Randolph. That, that's true. <laughs> that was, like, actually the, the deal breaker for that series. And so a guy that shoot, like, 40 percent from three i have the number uh, in front of me now uh 40 percent from three he can provide if he can provide like a 30 plus percent from three and he i know he can defend because he's a big dude it's like uh, six five with a good frame uh, so if he can play like defense and have like an, a nice shooting form from the beginning a nice uh, efficiency uh from the beginning then why i mean 10 minutes in the playoff sure maybe not in the finals maybe not in the uh um in the second round against curry but i mean how many backup pointer that you can take in the open market can play against steph and be effective like really oh against steph uh probably yeah. probably none none of them <laughs> None that OKC can take for like the mid-level exception or right. something like yeah, yeah. that. None that are obtainable for OKC. Yeah. So this is my point. I mean, if you can take a guy like that, you take him and you put him in the in the mix from the beginning, and you see what happens. <laughs> That's kind of my my idea on Frank. I'm I'm yeah. super high. On him. Like, yeah. Let's say that they trade up to ten and somehow Dennis Smith. Has also fallen, and so you can choose between uh, uh, Frank and Dennis Smith. What would you do? Boy, that's the, that's difficult. Um, this is like a hypothetical that maybe never happened and it may not even yeah. be worth talking I, about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, just want to see, like, how, I guess my real question is, like, how what's the talent gap between? Because the consensus is that you have these elite point guards at the top. You have Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball, and then there's a gap. And then you have De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, and Dennis Smith. And then there seems to be another gap that people talk about. And then you have um, Natila Kina next. Um, so what? What do you? How far do you think the talent gap is between those guys? 
Well, I, I don't think there is a huge gap between the second tier, so the tier behind uh, Fools, and like, I don't think that the gap between Lonzo and the tier on Fox is that big. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, I think that the gap, that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm really scared about Lonzo shot. I may be yeah. fooled like in the summer league already uh, when he will shoot like 60% from three yeah. and I look like, a, <laughs> um, and I look stupid, but I mean, the, the shot is worrisome. And so if you take a guy that is not incredibly athletic and you, it, it, it's it, it's not like, like he create a lot uh, from from like um, from the dribble. Mm-hmm. He, he did a lot of transition because of his quick passing. Yeah. Um, What's the Aaron Fox on the other end is a big dude with a crazy point guard instinct, and with a shot it is not broken. Uh, and the second part of the season he should like fairly better than in the first uh, part. So. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the gap is, is big there. I do think that between the Aaron Fox, Danny Smith, and the other guys, like in Tilikina, there is a gap talent. So those guys, like Fox, Smith, and Lonson, can be superstar. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Tilikina has this kind of talent. But the fit with Russ is better. So if Danny Smith is there, I think it's a no-brainer. You, you take the better one, and you go with the best player available, because... If Dennis Smith um, is just half of what he was uh, in NC State and the year before, then he, he is like a super, super prospect. And you want a guy like that on your team every day. Even if like the, um, he, the, there are rumors that he wasn't the best teammates. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. I, I like those kind of intel. But when you, when you go into a team, a culture like OKC, that... Uh, to a certain degree, can be uh, smoothed. And so if you have a talent like that, I, I think it's a no-brainer, and, and you go for it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, let's do some Twitter questions. This is from at Proud 76 Are there any draft prospects who could follow the 21 that would help OKC immediately? Well, we kind of discussed that. I think that the guy, a guy that can help immediately, but I'm not sure if it is the best idea long term is uh, Luke Kennard because he he will he will be instant offense from the from the bench. On the other end, uh, on defense I'm kind of scared and um, anyone is kind of scared about that. Our prospect <laughs> that can fall um, uh, maybe, uh, maybe uh, again Justin Jackson, but we we don't like him. I don't yeah. like him. <laughs> and I'm not a huge fan. Uh, so I mean, there are not many prospects that can fall that are uh, like um, a good fit for OKC. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I would think Kennard is the is the best fit, and he can slide to twenty one. Um, other guys, I'm not sure that anyone uh, or any of the center can have minutes on the Thunder, and so they, they will hardly help. And so, yeah, I would go with Kennard. Yeah, the middle of the first round is kind of strange because it has all these big guys. Like, they're all like Jared Allen, John Collins, Justin Patton. You got Giles there. Uh, it's, it's kind of strange, and, and in this type of league, you just wonder – are these teams, are all these teams really going to take centers? Like, I, I don't know. I just kind of wonder about that. But it's, it's not like there's a bunch of shooting guards and small forwards and point guards, you know, waiting in the wing there. But it, it makes you wonder if, like, someone is going to do something dumb and reach really high on Terrence Ferguson or something like that. I I, I would expect that. Yeah. I mean, uh, in, in some sense, the ta- talent-wise, those guys that you mentioned – have like better talent than than, than Ferguson, right. and so that's why many of the smart guys have them like higher than him. Mm-hmm. But when you when you go in this small ball era uh, and in the draft room, everyone says, "Well, how how can we defend bigger role with Jared Allen, for example?" And then you go crazy and you go, "Well, let's take uh, the, the the highest guard that we have already in our board." Mm-hmm. That can happen, and so I think that some of them will will drop. Uh, and will be for the Thunder at 21. But if I am OKC, okay, I'll try to avoid drafting another big. Yeah. If it's not Eric Giles. If it's Giles, then yes, uh, I will go that route. 
because of the upside. Yeah. Giles scares me, man. If I'm the GM, I wouldn't, I don't, <laughs> I wish I was as courageous as you because I just see him and I think, you think he's got an insanely high ceiling. I think this dude's got an insanely low floor. Like this guy could be, sure. Not this guy could not be in the NBA, you know, sure. before his rookie deal is up. Um, and that's what scares me about it because I, in my head, I just think, the Thunder need to get a guy that can be a rotation player. And I think that that's where my love for Derek White has come in because he's got size, he's got feel for the game, he can shoot the ball, um, he's got good instincts, he's not like a crazy athlete, he is older, um, but I think he can come in and play right away. And that's – and but he's not a swing for the fences either. Like he's not – he's probably not a starting caliber player in the league. Like he's probably mm-hmm. definitely a bench player. Um, but in my head I'm just like – just get a rotation player. Let's just get a guy that we know can play. Yeah, no, I mean that that makes perfect sense. And I'm courageous only because I, I will not make that choice. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it makes sense. Uh, on, in the sense that I mean, if you want to make a leap immediately, like in the in the short in a short span, if you draft a, a guy that turns out to be a star. Or even like a mobile big that can block shots and be somehow effective. Uh, imagine to have two Steven Adams that can play one with the bench unit and the other one uh, on the starting uh, lineup. Mm-hmm. You can anchor a defense with those two guys and be a perfect a modern NBA team with two mobile guys that play the center. And maybe one, one day um, he will be even better than, than Steven. And then you have like... A, like trading asset and all this stuff that that, that comes with it, but I, I understand precisely what what are your concern, and I would say that if he if his knees are so bad, then he may not even be on an NBA team in, in year two. So yeah, the the risk is big, and um, yeah, ceiling and floor are equally high, uh, equally high and low. I would say. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I mean they, to be fair, like Giles, they were saying like this is young Chris Webber coming back to the NBA and this guy could do it all before he got hurt. And just the scary thing is that we just haven't seen him do any of it since he's been hurt. Uh, but if he can get back right and it's, it's either very encouraging or very discouraging that he didn't really play this year, like encouraging in that he was focused on rehab, focused on his future rather than, you know, messing up his knee again or, it's that oh man, he couldn't even play, and I don't even I don't know where scouts lie on that. I don't even know if they even know how to evaluate that. But there's there's just so many unanswered questions with Giles, and he could he could go as high as late lottery, or he could you know kind of sink to the bottom of the first round like Perry Jones did, because Perry Jones was a guy that was projected to go like top four the start of the mm-hmm. season, and then he <clears throat> fell all the way to the Thunder. Um, and turns out he's not really a good NBA player, but um, we'll, we'll see about Giles. He he, he definitely interests me, um, but I, I'm more interested in getting more rotation players around Russ as soon as possible. But if you're swinging for the fences, Giles makes sense, and then uh, we both love OG. I just think that he can play yeah. the three and the four. He can defend almost every position on the court. And if he just develops a jump shot, it's over. Like, this guy yeah. is a for-sure starter, uh, probably borderline all-star type player uh, that will change your team. And sure. it also allows them to do something with, with Andre Robertson, too. Um, and maybe you maybe you trade Andre. Maybe if, if OG isn't as deficient on offense, then you can slide Andre over to the two even, which is something the Thunder are continuously wanting to do, so... Yeah, um, it opens up a lot for. Yeah, yeah I don't see him slide. Um, like, in my opinion, there's no way he passed over Miami. Like, no way. Yeah, it's kind of weird. There's a few people have sent me some mock drafts that they have OG sliding all the way to the Thunder at 21. No, it's like not not in this draft, you guys. Like this, it's it is not going to happen in this draft. I mean, the Nuggets are a really good fit for him. Uh, the Heat would take him. The Blazers would want him. The Bulls would yeah. want him. I mean, he yeah, yeah. he's a fit with the Bucks. I mean, and who else are the who else are these guys taking? 
Like, who else are they going to take? They're going to take Luke Kennard. You, you'd much rather have OG than Luke Kennard. You'd rather have them than Jared Allen, John Collins, all these guys. Um, it's That's a dream that's just it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, everyone should follow Jonathan Charks. He has him at four. <laughs> like, it, it's a reach. <laughs> it's a reach. Uh, but yeah. what if it's Kawhi Leonard? It, it, it's not a reach then. So, right. I mean, no way. I don't know if he will fall. It, well, the only way is that something seriously uh, troubles him in, in terms of his medical health right. pops out, like, uh, the night before the draft. Then, yes, probably that scares a lot of people. Yeah. But otherwise, there's... Like zero chance for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it is in this league where there are like no wings that are good. You need to draft a wing that is good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just not happening. Uh, this is from at J underscore Dub underscore twenty five. Does Donovan Mitchell remind you a lot of Oladipo? Kind of. Um, maybe Oladipo. It was a little bit more rounded and sounded offensively. Uh, and, I mean. His coaches, his coach said like uh, he can do it all. I don't think that uh, Donovan Mitchell is at that level, but positionally, they are really close to to each other, and also the size is comparable. Maybe uh, Mitchell has the a bit a bit of um, a wider wingspan. Mm-hmm. That 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 is the thing that actually uh, bump bumped him uh, like 10 position in the mock draft and but yeah I mean I can see some similarity I think that Olipo is a bit more crafted with the ball uh, even if he didn't show that this season uh, but yeah sure there are similarities and I think these kind of player are nice to have that's why I I thought uh, he was a very good fit with OKC but I would not reach for him at 12 yeah, uh, yeah because of that yeah, I said I I love him at twenty one. I I would not trade up for him because yeah. it would take a lot to trade up, and I don't know I don't know if he's I don't know if he's worth it. And he's not. The Thunder don't really need a a guard at that spot, a shooting guard at that spot. And he seems to be more of a shooting guard the more I watch him. Mm-mm. Um, let's see. At Jason. Ozer asks, Jason Collins comps and fit in the NBA. I think that he's referring to John, John Collins. Collins. Uh, yeah. what, do you, what do you think about John Collins from Wake Forest? Um, he's a bucket getter. The the term is not mine. He's from Sam Vesani. Um And I think one of the good comp that you can made, make uh, for him is Brandon Wright. Yeah. So a guy that is crazy um, good on offense, he can get a, a bucket, but basically anywhere around the basket. Uh, he has a decent touch, like for from like four feet, five feet, and but he can he cannot play defense like on like by any means. Uh, and so that is uh, why uh, I mean you played Brandon Wright ten minutes in the NBA, you run five pick and roll, and that that's that's it. And you can do the same with John Collins. Uh, maybe he can develop uh, a bit of toughness um, later in, the, in his career, but for now, to me, he's a very good uh, scorer, good instinct. That's it. Yeah, and the fit for those kind of guys is like slowly disappearing for like big guys that can only be good on the offensive end. And if they're not shooting threes, it's hard to find no. minutes for them in the playoffs. You're right. I mean, he didn't took any threes last last season, according to our data. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he if you if you look at him, you say, "Wow, this guy can can make a shot like from any position around the basket with very good touches." But on the other hand, you say, "Well, yes." But when you have the under Jordan that is guarding you, would you do the same? Probably not. And so, um, it, it takes a lot of uh, like imagination to see these guys uh, becoming A, a low post threat in the NBA, B, uh, close to a like a reasonable defender uh, in the short time period. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Thunder need to stay away from, from guys like that. <laughs> they're, not, they're not helpful. Um, well, you, 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 ever, you already have one. 
Right. And, and he's very good. I mean, he's very good at what he he's does. He's very good at it. Yes. Um, but, I mean, there is value uh, in, in having a guy with a limited amount of time, say 10 to 15 to 20 minutes, mm-hmm. that can create buckets from nothing. But, I mean, maybe if you draft at 25, 26, that is a completely reasonable pick because you get like guys that can make basket in your second unit maybe first in the league then in the second unit it's fine i mean if you guy if you draft a guy that can play for 15 minutes on a good nba team during the regular season that is completely fine in that range yeah Uh, pay the guy a million bucks a year and if he can come in and score eight points a game like that's useful in the regular season Sure. I mean, Ennis is elite in what he does, and he cannot play in the playoff. Right. So, yeah, I mean. It's, it's a problem. Um, this next question is from at XLTry. He asks, in a mock draft, they have OKC taking Devin Robinson. Have you ever heard of him? He's a very, very interesting guy. Um, he is a 3 and D prospect uh, with the size of a small board four. Mm-hmm. He shoot like crazy good on on three point percentage last year, especially especially from the right side of the floor, like forty two from the wing and even better from the corner. I have the percentage I think here because I prepared for that question. Um, let's see, right corner is forty four percent. The number of tempo, of course, is not uh, huge, and uh, right wing forty percent. Um, so he can he can surely uh, shoot from a college distance. The free throw was seventy two point five percent. So okay, not not crazy good, but okay. He should translate a three point shot in the NBA. The nice thing about him is um, the performance he had at the combine. He showed himself with a three point two body fat percentage, which was by far one of the best uh, marks. And athletically, he tested like close to uh, Diallo and all the leapers. He had like 41.5 max vert and 35.5 like no step, exactly. So these are crazy good numbers. And he has like a good win span, uh, 7.2, 7.1, I guess, from a, uh, from, for a 6.8 prospect is, a, is good. It's not incredible, but it's good. So, I mean, if you can snatch him in the second round and put him in the mix of your, uh, like, I'm not sure if you can shoot uh, prospect, then yeah. uh, sure. I mean, it, it's, a good, it's a good take in the second round. I won't reach for him at 21 by like yeah that seems kind of strange to to reach for him that high he's a junior so i'll bet billy d knows him knows devin robinson yeah 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 i don't don't think he transferred from like other places so he should know him that's an interesting wrinkle to that it seems like correct me if i'm wrong there seems to be like a lot of guys i feel like could be nba players in this particular draft and I'm interested in, after the draft, the undrafted guys. And yeah. Presti goes and gets an undrafted guy. Because Devin Robinson, I don't think that he'll be undrafted because he's a position of need. And um, all the stats that you threw at me just scream that he should be drafted. Um, mm-hmm. But there are going to be some guys that go undrafted that are going to be on NBA squads next year. And I think... I, I don't know. I think that that is going to be just as interesting as the second round, and some and meaning that some people are completely uninterested in the second round, and maybe uninterested in this too. But I think that it'll be an interesting time to see who's who's left, and those guys usually get snatched up pretty quick, and you can kind of dictate the terms a little bit more um, than second rounders and make it a little bit more interesting. So I'm interested to see if Sam Presti does that because he scouts the NBA draft just as much as as anybody else he and his team Mm-mm. do. So I'm I'm interested to see if there's anybody kind of at the back of the draft that they may say, huh, I wonder I wonder if we can sign this guy and develop them with the blue and then bring him up. Because uh, they love to take second rounders. Um, but there just seems like there's a lot of guys in the second round that you're like, huh, I think that guy could probably play. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there are smart guys, smarter than me, that say, well, this draft from 20 to 45 is full of player mm-hmm. that can play, like, like, like from from day one, and uh, Derek White is one of them, mm-hmm. um, and there are like many guy, uh, many guys like that, and even like in the back end of the draft, you can see a player like Nigel William Goss. That yeah. well, of course, this is the uh, Omer pick uh, yeah. from Gonzaga, <laughs> but you see his numbers. He should like 1.3 points per shot in catch and shoot situation mm-hmm. and 72% at the rim and like <laughs> like he, he, these are crazy numbers and he's a big dude good size good instinct maybe not the best uh, um, creative point guard mm-hmm. but he man he can play like he can really play he's a tough guy maybe he will get undrafted he will go undrafted so why mm, not try to take a flyer on him yeah, like there is, there isn't that big of a distance between a player like that and like Monte Morris, uh, uh, Derek White. Maybe it's a little yeah. bit, yeah, is a bit bit far uh, from the group. But yeah, I mean, you can find guys that can play uh, outside of the draft. Um, I think you're right in that. Lincoln Lending understands that not all lenders are created equal. With the most competitive interest rates and highly trained professionals, Lincoln Lending will communicate and accommodate your every need throughout the home buying process. Getting approved has never been easier with Lincoln Lending's new mobile app and website. Download the Lincoln Lending app in the App Store and Google Play Store. Visit our website at www.lincolnok.com or call 799-LEND to apply today. Lincoln Lending. Not all lenders are created equal. NMLS 398026. Uh, let's see. Next question from at Shannon Z Ward. Who is the thickest daddy in this year's draft? I think it's Bam Ebadio. Like this, this is a big, big dude. Yeah, I think I'm trying to look at where he's projected. Somewhere in the second round. Yeah. And he's kind of an interesting prospect to me. He's... I don't know. I don't. He's kind of a tweener a little bit mm-hmm. um, between because he doesn't really have great center or power forward skills, but he's just massive. He's 6'10, yeah, he 7'2 wingspan, 250 pounds. Um, I think he's the thickest daddy. Do you, are there any other candidates for you? Oh, have you seen Kennedy Meeks? I don't know. From North Carolina? No. No, you, you should see him. And then there is a French guy, uh, Mathias Lessor. Uh, I think he will get drafted in like the second round. Uh-huh. He is thick, like really <laughs> thick. He's not that massive because they, they both are a bit uh, smaller than than Bam. But man, I mean, Mix is huge. Like uh, if you saw Shimek Karnowski from uh, Gonzaga, yeah, uh, like he had a hard, hard day battling <laughs> with Kennedy Mix, and he's like. I mean, the, the the biggest human being I have ever saw in my life. So, yeah, I would go with those two. Is Meeks outside of the top 60 in a lot of drafts? In some drafts, yes. In okay. some other, no. Okay. So, it's up there. Gotcha. <laughs> I love the question. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've talked about OG and Frank Jackson, Caleb Jones. Ask about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about Derek White a little bit that – they should, if they want him, they should probably trade back. Um, that it might not be the best value at 21. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about 21. Sam Hollins, thanks for the questions. Um, is it better to just move? This is from Kyler Hallmark. Is it better to move the just to trade the pick and get another asset to get a solid backup point guard instead of taking whoever at 21? What do you think? Um, there are a bunch of point guard that uh, comes of deals in the free in free agency. Um, I'm thinking Shelvin Mack, uh, well Sean Livingston, um, well there is Ty Lawson probably, Darren Collison. I mean, there is a bunch of guys that you can take and be more effective than a first year um, guy. Uh, but I mean, and the other question is maybe the, the point of view of the um, who asked the question was, can you take uh, a good backup with a twenty-one pick, with the twenty-first pick? 
I, I don't see it. Um, maybe I'm forgetting some team that has like player uh, available. Maybe you can snatch one of the backup point guard of Minnesota, but would you really go 21 for uh, Tyus Jones? Huh. I'm not sure. I don't know. Cause he, cause you maybe, know Terry, maybe Terry Rozier. Rozier would be the guy for me. Yeah. Like that, that would be the guy. Tyus Jones is interesting, but I don't see him being anything more than a backup point guard oh. in his career, and he doesn't have great size. Um, Rozier is my guy. Like If they're going to trade the pick for a backup point guard, I think Terry Rozier makes a ton of sense. He's a pretty good athlete. He's got still some upside. He's a, He can play mm-hmm. defense. I think Billy D would love him. Yeah. Um, so he's. I think that he's... Like if Samaj Christian was any good, like he would probably look more like Terry Rozier. Yeah, I mean, having Rozier will for sure uh, diminish the number of minutes we can uh, where we can see uh, Samaj on the court. That yeah. that that would be great. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if you can get like smart, uh, smart, I think it's uh, it's done after what he did um, in in last two games. So playoffs last three games at the playoffs uh, but Rozier maybe if they, they are going to keep the pick as they should in my opinion um, then maybe Rozier uh, is expendable and if they get uh, an asset for him then maybe maybe that makes sense I don't know if you heard this but Nate Duncan was talking on his show it's maybe a week ago about Marcus Smart and that he thinks they need to trade him and they don't think that he, they can get more than a second-round pick, like an early second-round pick for Marcus Smart. I don't particularly agree with that. Uh, but if you could get Marcus Smart with the 21st pick, uh, would you do that? Um, the reason I think uh, Nate uh, said that is about his contract. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, they're, he's, they're gonna, you have to figure out, you know, what are you going to pay this guy? And that's... That's a conundrum because he's yeah. he's a lot like Robertson in that man he's this guy is a gamer like he can play great defender good teammate a guy that really is he makes winning plays and some of them are flops but they're still winning plays <laughs> um, yeah but he's also just he can't really shoot the basketball and no unless he's Cleveland on game four right <laughs> unless Probably. it's just this one random playoff game um, yeah it's. And Robertson even shot 43% or something like that in the playoffs from three. Like, these guys hit hot streaks every once in a while, and the playoffs is such a small sample size. Mm-hmm. Um, but would you, I, I don't know about the fit. I think the talent is there, but to me, I don't know that the Thunder can afford to bring in another guy that can't shoot to put around Russ. I mean, the, you can, in some sense, um, if like if the, the the contract situation was the same, mm-hmm. I think I would go with uh, with uh, with Smart uh, because of what you said. I mean, he he, he knows how to play winning, uh, to make winning plays uh, on a basketball court, mm-hmm. and then the fact that he's from from OK State, then it, it is yeah. a plus. Okay. Sure, people would love to have Marcus Smart. Yes, back. I particularly would love to have Marcus Smart. Back <laughs> yeah, I, I, lo- I love watching him play. I'm an OSU grad. I would love it. Yeah. And so, but but the contract situation is really different. From Rozier has another year right. on a very uh, team friendly uh, rookie scale deal, mm-hmm. and Marcus Smart will demand a lot. Uh, I think he you cannot get him for less than forty eight for four. Right. And, and can Thunder afford think... to do that? I mean, that's they're going yeah. into the tax already with yeah. the squad that they're having. Like this team is. They they can't afford to do this, and that's why I think they're keeping the pick, or they're going to mm. trade up, or they're going to take somebody in this draft because they will be able to control the contract going forward, and it will be yeah. cheap. And yeah. it's unlikely that they're going to deal for a guy who's about to be restricted. Um, mm. This is this is not the time to deal with that anymore because they've already done it. They just they just re-upped Adams and Oladipo. They're going to have to figure out what to do with Doug McDermott. They're going to figure out what to do with Jeremy Grant. Uh, they need to find guys on rookie scale deals uh, to make this team competitive, and that's why I think and sustainable. Yeah, right. Yeah, because they they can't pay everybody. Like you just don't want to be Portland. Like Portland, 
is in a really strange spot because they're going to have they're already paying everybody yeah um and they're still going to have to pay others and they i mean they have to figure something out because you can't be the eighth seed and have the highest payroll in the league like it just makes no sense and especially in this small market uh you you can't do it you actually cannot do it they would eventually go they, you can't keep a team and do that um, yeah, I remember an article last year that says that uh, OKC and Cleveland still uh, lose money last year, right. uh, lose money, money last year, even if they made like a conference semi-finals on one end and uh, title on the other end. I mean, it's hard to make money, even if you're winning. Yeah. And so uh, imagine if you have like an eight seed, seven seed with a, like 140 million payroll. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And yeah, that's why that scenario scares me, and I think that Sam knows it. And so, yes. yeah, I don't see it happening. Yeah. Uh, my wife is begging me to come out to the pool right now, so I have <laughs> got to end this podcast. But, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. We can follow you on Twitter at Mikey Barra, and we can find all your really great stuff at chart underscore side. If you haven't seen their charts, I've told you about them last time, but seriously, like these are the best shooting charts that you're going to find really informative um great stuff uh, anything else that you'd like to share mikey before we let you go yeah i mean if you if you want to take a look at the work of the ringer like nba draft dot uh we made like a bunch of stuff for them like giving data and intel about prospect so if you want to to see like a, a very nice uh, graphically like the best probably mock draft that you can that you can find take a look they have like a, a consensus mock draft and then the draft board of kevin o'connor danny chow jonathan sharks so these are the best in the business so you want to look uh, on what they say about the prospect that you that you like so that is something that i would try to look if you're if i were you yeah they're great they're comprehensive they tell you a little bit about each player most mock drafts just give you kind of the number how tall they are and where they went to school uh, but this will give yeah. you a snippet of like who these guys actually are. So yeah, go check out the Ringer. I'm sure all of you have seen the Ringer and know what the Ringer is. So you guys go look at it again uh, because um, Michelle and his team are contributing and doing really really cool stuff. Um, so thanks a lot for coming on the show. We will talk to you again before the draft. Uh, it's yeah. ever evolving, so I want to kind of pick your brain again as we get closer to the draft. Uh, and everybody have a great Monday. 